Got a flip top, hanging cigarettes in the pocket, feeling good at the top, shopping at shops. She's walking in the sunshine town, feeling very cool. But the butchers and the bakers and the supermarket stores getting everything she wants from the supermarket stores. Hi, my name is Marie White, and I'd like to welcome you back to the White Bikini. Joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Marie. It's good to be with you once again. Today is Sunday, January 8th, so official Happy New Year to everyone. Are you excited about the New Year, Nick? I am very excited about the New Year. A new year is a new start. Amen. In this episode, we're going to discuss the Farmer John. I came upon Krista Barfield by accident on Instagram. And now I am very interested and excited about her mission outside of Philadelphia. Do you know any, did you know anything about her before I brought her up to you? No, no. I I mean, I knew that there were a bunch of uh, CSAs in the area, but I didn't specifically know Farmer John and the mission and the impact in the community. I love the name. Yes, very Philadelphian. I want to go quickly over, well, not quickly, but I want to talk about Farmer John's mission statement and then talk a little more about Krista. Farmer John follows regenerative farming practices that concentrate on soil health and increasing access to organic food to marginalized communities. The city of Philadelphia is plagued with food insecure families that work 40 plus hours per week and still don't have access to chemical free food options. One, because they don't understand the importance of it. And two, because the access just isn't there. And that was a little startling because as you and I've discussed before, we do live outside Philadelphia, but the line between West Philadelphia and Norberth is a two minute drive, but it should be two hours. Yeah, no worlds apart, even though in distance, it's, as you say, it's, it's a couple minutes away. And with Whole Foods being close by and Trader Joe's, and then that's me being judgmental because because I know about it, I have access to it, I'm more aware. I kind of felt stupid when I thought, when I thought that out loud to myself, then I thought again and I thought, well, it's just worlds apart anymore, which is sad. It is, you know, and also another thing that we take for granted, you know, between uh, urban culture and suburban culture is that you have a large portion of people who live in the city, I don't know the specific percentage, who rely on public transportation as their primary means of getting around. A two minute car ride could potentially be 30, 40 minute bus ride if that was even an option. Let's face it, Uber is not exactly the cheapest thing in the world to do day in and day out. And so that those are just two examples of how communities that are neighbors are cut off from common experiences. All communities should have access to farm fresh organic foods regardless of socioeconomic status. Education is lacking across all demographic groups as to the importance of affecting the change on food, politics, and justice. Farmer John aims to create change and bring awareness to the matters of food waste, food insecurity, and this symbiotic relationship between the two. And I think that's a great mission statement. No, it's a very noble mission, you know, because the challenge is severe. I mean, we talked about this, I believe, 
in a previous podcast, maybe one of the first ones, where in many of these communities in towards West Philadelphia, inner city of Philadelphia, there are food deserts where access to fresh produce, uh, chemical-free food items, there's a huge scarcity. It's a series of small shops and bodegas that are just carrying whatever they are they can get access to in cans and bags. And the alternative to eating at you know some of these small shops is fast food, whether it's Wendy's, McDonald's, or Burger King. Those are the options. I think part of the change that needs to take place in these communities is that reimagining food, reimagining health. This is just one step, but it's a very important step. And maybe one of the good things is now McDonald's and Burger King aren't so cheap anymore. There you go. So now so, it is now, yeah, it's not competitive to go to the supermarket. So maybe someone that would have gone to McDonald's might be rethinking where they're spending their money. And I think that's a good thing. They might think, you know what, let me let me try to cook at home. Let me try to control some of the chemicals that are in my food because going to McDonald's now is expensive with, you know, post-pandemic. Yeah. Well, or the companies are claiming it's post-pandemic. Just no, the food I, price I, tripling. Yeah. As an anecdote, one of the experiences I had as a child in Jamaica, we didn't eat fast food. Fast food was a very special occasion that we would be at a restaurant, a fast food restaurant in Jamaica. And that's because fast food was actually significantly more expensive than going to the supermarket, buying fresh produce and bringing it home and cooking it. So you're right. I think that's part of the um, the incentives that will change people's eating habits is once it becomes easier to cook your own food and healthier. It's a shame that we put the health secondary to the convenience, but it's a factor. It's an important factor too. And I grew up in a different, obviously, reality than growing up in Jamaica. I worked at a fast food restaurant during my high school and late teens, very early 20s. And that's all I ate because either I got it for free or I got a discount. So I was eating unhealthy healthy at a very young age because it was right in front of me. It was cheap. It was saving my mother money. The food's addictive. You know, the salts. Oh God, yeah. you know, I remember in college, I did a, wrote a paper on casein and what caseins are, it's, it's a molecule in cheese products and dairy products that is actually quite addictive. After you start to um, develop an affinity for casein, your body will start to crave it. And I thought that was very interesting. And so when you eat a cheeseburger or any product, that contains, you know, you know, significant amount of dairy um, protein. You actually build up a dependency on it. So I don't know. If you remember the movie? Um, I think this it's apropos to make the comparison, but Super Size Me. Yes. And do you remember what happened? I think what was his name? Morgan Spurlock, I believe, was the producer and actor. This was like 50 years ago. Now it was a long time ago, and the horrendous transformation that took place in his body after feeding on McDonald's, McDonald's exclusively for 30 days. I mean, he basically had the body of like an end-stage um, geriatric patient and I think that's what ha what's happening to many young people in the inner city is that you become addicted to it you become habituated to eating the stuff and it, it just wreaks havoc on your health and your body you know, and to complicate matters you know there was a lot of violence during Black Lives Matter early on in the pandemic and a lot of these grocery stores in areas started closing because of the theft so it's very complicated to get access to good food, to be able to sustain eating healthy, it's not easy. And most of the people that are working are working overnight shifts. I, I notice it at my job is after five o'clock, people come in shopping and a lot of people are making comments like, why would they even be out on Sundays? Well, a lot of people just got off work. 
Exactly. It's the, um, I suppose it's the benefit of living in a society where you have either a partner or the resources not to have to work late at night or work to a second job. Some are in nursing care, some are in medicine. It's it's not a nine to five world for them. And I sense when they come in, especially like on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, they're in there at five o'clock. And sometimes at like five of six, we have to let them know we're closing. They get very angry with us because we are accommodating hours for a very specific American. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the store is catered to, you know, certain demographics and those people are often the ones that are ignored in this whole thing we call capitalism. So I agree with you. I think it's a reasonable assessment. Well, let's talk about Krista Barfield. She is an urban farmer and owner of Farmer John Greenhouses in Elkins Park. Just a couple fast facts. Being from Philly, she has stated that Farmer John was just the name for her. Once you hear it, you don't forget it. And it grabbed me right away. And as I said, I only saw it on an Instagram reel. Though sometimes she does have to explain to people it's not Farmer John. <laughs> Second, yeah. I found her favorite book fascinating. It's the picture of Dorian Gray. Oh. Um, Thank you. Very random. Yeah, it's a random book, but it's also it's also a great book about, I, don't, I mean, does she explain what the connection is? You know, a man holding on to his youth at all costs, causing his own destruction. She, in the interview, uh, she just stated that she loves classics and Oscar Wilde is her favorite. No. I, Barf, you know, sorry. That, I was going to say, that's just good enough. I, you know, the portrait of Dorian Gray is just a really, really good. Because she's so young, it's such a throwback. I love it. It is. But you know what, though? Maybe that's part of that old soul, getting back to the earth, getting back to the classics, getting back to a, a more natural state of being. Barfield is a 32-year-old mother of two and a lifelong Germantown resident. It's the type of community she wanted to create since experiencing her first CSA during a trip to the Caribbean island of Martinique two years ago. She is a graduate of George Washington Carver High School of Engineering and Science and St. Joe's University. She was 10 years into her career in healthcare administration when she realized her work-life balance was unhealthy. And so on January 2nd, 2018, she resigned from her job just weeks before she turned 30. To celebrate her milestone birthday, Barfield took her first trip abroad solo to Martinique, an island in the French West Indies. She stayed at two Airbnbs, the first of which was owned by a Thai chef who made her tea every morning with fresh herbs from his garden. And the second Airbnb was with a family of farmers who took her around their farm and invited her to watch as island residents came to pick up their CSA boxes. And I just think that's fascinating from someone that's only not even 30. It's, it takes a curious mind. First of all, you know, a lot of people her age wouldn't even contemplate staying at a CS, uh, excuse me, at an Airbnb unless it was like a last resort. Um, you know, it, it would usually it's, you know, you're that age, you're staying at the resorts, all inclusive, you know, don't stop till you drop type of lifestyle. So it shows that she, her taste in literature or um, sort of wilder, uh, wider 
excuse me, worldview uh, speaks to someone who's just a little bit deeper than many of us. So good for her. It's, it's a real compliment. She returned to Philly a week later and she found herself called to write out a plan to become something she never considered before, a farmer. And she's been quoted as saying that people asked me when I figured out what I wanted to do for sure. She can't take credit for it because the ideal was given to me. She is highly religious. She is quoted that I am a God-fearing person, so I have to attribute it to him. Barfield's first venue was Via Leaf Tea Company, which she began in 2018. She erected a greenhouse from a box in her backyard to grow herbs and began renting plots at a community garden in Roxborough. I think that's incredible. I mean, it's pretty brave because, I mean, you're 30 years old. You know, life is becoming really real. And uh, to pull up what I assume was a stable job, stable career to start something radically different, it does take a lot of uh, bravery. A real estate developer read about Barfield and her tea company in March of 2020 and called her and said he had eight greenhouses on Jenkintown Road in Elkins Park that he thought would be perfect for her. She initially thought there was no way she could take it on and eventually she did put a pause to it and she finally did follow up with his persistency and a month later he said she'd be welcome in the neighborhood and so she accepted. She is currently only renting two greenhouses but she does look at the other space which she calls her vision house but she didn't want to get too big too quickly. No, you don't want to you don't want to burn up burn up too fast by trying to do too much. I mean, I think you go from working in healthcare to essentially running a CSA. I think the skill sets and uh, the knowledge base just take a little bit of time to master a lot of those skills and I'm sure the finances also speak to what her limitations are. She wants to end food injustice and insecurity with the revenue from what she'll grow in that greenhouse someday and that's why she calls it her vision house. Farmer John CSA is now supported by 50 families from Germantown to Elkins Park. Jennifer Wasserman, 48 of Elkins Park, was among among the volunteers who cleaned up the greenhouses and then became a Farmer John CSA member. She loves having it in the neighborhood and loved that every week it's different. And on Saturday, she hosts a farm stand open to the public at the same location from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. While the Philadelphia region may not be the first place many farmers would choose to plant their roots, it was an easy decision. She's, quote, I love Philadelphia, and if I want to bring food equality and food justice to my region, I can only do that if I'm here. And I'm very civic-minded now, post-pandemic, as you know. I think all charity begins at home, and I am impressed that she's honoring the Philadelphia area, the name is honoring Philadelphia, and whatever small change she can make, I'm here for it. You know what, what you reminded me of something as you were speaking. When I was in college and I was uh, working at Whole Foods, one of the things that they used to do that I thought would be really ap- applicable in the situation is not only did Whole Foods carry these uh, organic produce items, but they would also hold in-store tasting and cooking sessions. So I think it's one to make the products available. I think it's another to teach people, to demonstrate to people the potential to eat really healthy foods that are delicious and easy to prepare. So I wonder if that's part of their business model. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that's something that we could perhaps look into at a later date, but I thought that was fascinating. I remember going while I was working there, you know, the food demonstration demonstrator teach 
teaching people how to make an easy kale salad. And people were just kind of blown away by how easy it was to prepare and how delicious it was. And I, I think it goes hand in hand. I think making the foods available is one. I think it's also important to teach people how to prepare it. I mean, growing up, I wasn't taught to cook. And in my mother's defense, I was the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. So she was busy. She didn't have time to really teach me the nuances of cooking. So I agree. I, I taught myself, like now I do, believe me, I'm not setting the world on fire, but I'm experiencing the joy of cooking for oneself, which I don't think 15 years ago I would have ever thought about it. Now I understand its importance and it's something that really everyone should try to embrace, even if you do it once a month. Agreed. And I just, I think it's part of the pattern of transitioning people away from a fast food diet especially for younger people, is to introduce to them that green thing you see in the supermarket, it tastes really good if you prepare it like this. And it's actually easy to prepare. And it's it's a lot cheaper than a McRib sandwich. That was a random throwback. I, I, isn't a McRib back? I thought I saw like some McDonald's commercial where it was back. So I'm just saying, you know, listen, that thing is like crack dipped in heroin. It's so addictive. Now we do have some exciting updating news from the Farmer John. The West Town School now has a new farmer to oversee the fields that sprawl across a fifth of its 600 acre campus south of Westchester, one with a new mission. Christina Barfield of Philadelphia, as we know, who serves the marginalized community, has been extended at the core to do the 123 acres at West Town School. They've given her the acreage. They've linked the rural setting, this rural setting with her current suburban farming operation in Elkins Park. And she said Farmer John will operate as one complete food system for the Philadelphia region. I think that's so exciting. That's good. Bigger and better things, I hope, come their way because I think what they're doing is really quite important. With the regenerative agriculture at the core of her mission, Barfield said the 123 acres at the West Town School will become 100% organic through certification. It's three years off because the fields have been sprayed with non-organic pesticides. Farmer John will farm half of West Town School acreage and run the existing market on Route 926. I love this growing for local businesses co-ops and chefs the market will hire at least five employees and tap into farmer john's volunteer network which will eventually include a community supported agricultural business prepared foods and other locally grown and sourced products and i think this is a great start for 2023 i agree with that i think anything individuals or groups can do to enhance their local communities i think is absolutely beneficial in the aggregate farmer john has started a farmer incubator for black and brown people with a goal to create a group of people who practice agripreneurship while learning how to farm and create an impact urban network and food system. In its first year, 10 people were chosen out of 50 applications and seven have graduated. I think that's so exciting. Oh, it is. It is. It's like I said, you know, what she's doing is it perhaps it's a start of reimagining urban America. Well, I think 
it's one thing the pandemic taught us is we can't go outside of our communities and depend on them because we couldn't get anything. I can see, you know, interestingly enough, that people who live in the suburbs driving into urban America to get their fresh produce, how sort of interesting of a change that would be. But I, I do believe there's a certain population that would go there to support people that are trying to better themselves, better their lives. I, I do believe all politics is local. I do believe in supporting small businesses because so many people have been marginalized even pre-pandemic but if you and i've talked about the pandemic escalated the evaporation of an entire generation almost yeah it really did it was absolutely devastating it gutted communities in in a weird way some of these things were they were on a trajectory downward but the the pandemic was an accelerant uh some of these slow burning fires in our communities once the pandemic got came in contact with them it just accelerated their decline so sometimes we have to look at it from destruction comes birth and perhaps uh, some of the destruction wrought by the pandemic might uh, seed new ground, fertile ground at it for new changes and improvements in society. And I'm here for it. And I, I'm looking forward to good things in 2023. I'm not convinced the pandemic is over. I think it's a slow burn right now. And I'm grateful for that. But I'm glad that we can have, especially in the Philadelphia area, people that are trying to somewhat solidify where you can get your food to eat healthier. For any upcoming, I'm hoping this is it for the pandemic, but should anything else come in the future? because I don't know what kind of world we're facing now that at least in terms of food people will be able to access healthy food because it will be locally grown and I as I said I do believe charity begins at home honestly Marie I don't know that there's anything I could add you said it perfectly thank you Nick you, you never compliment me oh, that's because I'm a mean guy and we have to of course talk about our fabulous sponsor Fly Eagles Fly even though I think they just lost please stop at the Springfield Alehouse Delco 773 West Sprawl Road Springfield PA zip code in case you need to look it up 19064 stop there for all sporting events all Eagles games they do have music now on Friday nights their phone number is 484 772-6742 please follow them on Instagram for all upcoming events and it would be good I think the Springfield Ale House Delco should be buying their produce from the Farmer John I think I can see the synergy I can see it all coming together and you know what I think we need to get the Farmer John to go to the Springfield Ale House Delco and we'll interview her in person I love it I Yay! love it make it, happen. make it so number one I can, I can start drinking Kelly will make me a special drink I'm there for it start when did you stop? <laughs> well, Happy New Year, everyone, even though it's eight, eight days later. But we want to, you know, thank everyone for listening to us. We're looking forward to more episodes. Nicholas, thank you as always for joining me today. And we'll talk to everyone next week. Peace out.